0: Welcome my friends to the Bob and Brad podcast produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet, in our opinion. Today, uh, I am joined again by my co-host, Mike Keenitz, who has, they have their own channel, uh, it's the Bob and Brad crew, and they review products that are related to health, fitness, and- Overall well-being. Overall well-being. And uh, we are joined today. Um, well, I'm Bob, by the way. I'm one half of the Bob and Brad team. We are joined by our guest today, who is an associate professor of medicine at Duke University. He is board certified in BCD medicine and internal medicine and founded the Duke Keto Medicine Clinic in 2006. After eight years of clinical research regarding low carbohydrate ketogenic diets, he's the past president and Master Fellow of the Obesity Medicine Association and Fellow of the Obesity Society. He's an editor of the textbook, Obesity Evaluation and Treatment Essentials and author of the New York Times bestseller, The New Atkins for for a New You. Uh, Cholesterol Clarity and Keto Clarity. These are all different books. Um, And also a new bestseller, End Your Carb Confusion. He's a co founder of Adapt Your Life and Education. Uh, you will mention the website here, www.adaptyourlifeacademy.com. We'll mention it at the end again, and a product company based on low carbohydrate concepts. Dr. Eric Westman, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: I, I do want to mention one other thing from the intro. I went and looked on the uh, Duke Health website, and there was, you had, 373 ratings from patients and uh 4.75 stars but they were glowing reviews of you and how kind you are and how committed you seem to your patients and you and uh, roy williams is that someone you work with is that a nutritionist but
1: uh, well, medical medical assistant
0: medical assistant uh, i thought That spoke higher than any of your other accolades. Um, Thanks for looking. I haven't haven't ever ever read them. (laughs) If you want to ever feel good about yourself, you should take the time because it's it's really. I definitely need that. (laughs) So, we wanted to talk today um, about the keto diet and also about carbs. That's the general overall view we want to take. Uh, towards the end, uh, and maybe in another video, we're actually going to talk more specifically about weight loss, which of course intertwines with all of this uh, anyway. So Mike and I are going to take turns asking questions. Mike has had a lot of experience with keto. Yeah, and uh, I've I've read your book End your Carb Confusion: A Simple Guide to Customize Your Carb Intake for Optimal Health very well written very um and you attributed some of that to your help that you had an assistant author
1: yes yeah the the secret to having a great written uh well-written book if you're not a writer yourself is to do it with a writer who can operationalize yeah amy berger my co-author and i both put the book together thank you Uh,
0: it's awesome really really well written um and i thought it took away the um uh, people who might be intimidated by the keto diet that it, it's so simple to do
2: or some of yeah. the misinformation that's kind of out there now
0: right lots of misinformation I think you alluded to that when we were talking earlier on the internet um, yeah. I don't know if you want to speak to that or not but there's apparently a lot of wrong advice is that the way? Yeah, do- well
1: you know it's confusing today because uh, the internet is a, is a great thing and a terrible thing. <laughs> well, that, Internet, that's, that's keto, right. Internet keto is now this kind of confusing array of products that I don't ever recommend. Sure. So I teach the classic kind of approach that helps people lose weight and reverses diabetes. And uh, but so, you know, the way I, I like to explain it is that a keto diet really is just one that's very low in carbohydrates carbohydrates are sugars and starches, and you burn what you eat for fuel. So because you're not eating and burning carbohydrates, the sugars and starches, the alternative fuel, or I think it could be viewed as the primary fuel when you're not eating carbohydrates, becomes fat. So actually it's a fat burning diet, a keto diet. And But the, the thing is the pop culture, the world isn't ready yet to be told that it's a fat burning diet. Because we were all taught that you shouldn't eat fat right. and that fat was bad. So, so enter in the term keto, which is sort of the really just saying fat burning because you're not eating sugars, you're burning, you're not, so you're not burning sugars, you're burning fat. But you know, you really can't say that it's high fat because you know, the world isn't ready for that. So keto is right in that middle there. Uh, and ketones really are just a, molecules like glucose. That get used around the body for energy. But um, it's really a fat-burning diet, a keto diet. And, and but then that gets confusing because someone came to my class. You know, I'm, I'm teaching this in a real world setting in a, a clinic at Duke University. It's a university-based private practice. And if people come from all walks of life, all ranges of, of education. And, and I once said I, I trial trial ballooned in my my class. Well, it's really just a fat-burning diet, and this person gets up and says, "Well, I'm leaving because I want to lose fat." Oh, and, and I mean, you know, So, no, no, no. It'll help you lose weight, but but everyone thinks of it as a weight-loss diet or a weight-loss program. Where really, keto means that you're burning fat, and you know. But that anyway. So you have to kind of explain it in the way that, that people are ready to understand it, um, or or the depth. Uh, do you really want to know what ketones do, and I mean, or or do you want to know what food to eat and not to eat? I mean, so there are a lot of different ways uh, to teach it, and and keto diet now on the internet, you might think that you have to have this, you know, ketone drink to do keto. When what we teach is what we've studied at Duke now for twenty years, it's based in real foods. In fact, the the program that we use w- had its origins in something called the Banting diet back in the 1860s in London, England. It was the oh, first nice. diet book ever written. And so then uh, if you look back, the doctors in the mid-1900s, Dr. Atkins, Dr. Eads, Dr. Bernstein, well, Dr. Bernstein's still in practice, actually, um, really? Dr. Rosedale, oh,
2: yeah,
1: they back. all use kind of low-carb. Keto was the first phase of all of their approaches. And uh, so keto today borrows from all of that history. But if you're trying to lose weight, or you're trying to reverse diabetes, I strongly urge you to learn about the keto that we teach the real food based ones, because today people get off track by you know, the shiny keto product, and then they're guzzling, you know, thousands of calories trying to lose calories off their body. and, And that doesn't work so well. But (laughs) Mike and um, I had a a riveting discussion prior to you coming (laughs) on board here. Now,
0: I am, again, not an expert by any means. I just read your book. And from my understanding, uh, it's about reduction of carbs and not necessarily addition of fat. Now, Mike's saying- I was
2: explaining that if you're just going to eat chicken, breast, and broccoli, you're probably not going to feel very good, even though your carbs are still low. And he wasn't believing me. So, you- well, so
1: this is a great question. And um, so historically, the uh, use of this kind of a program for weight loss really was lean, lean meat, lean meat and a vitamin. And it was called the protein sparing modified fast. And um, then the researchers stopped studying and they got distracted by drugs and, and surgery for weight loss at the group at Harvard. But um, if you have fat on your body, you're going to be filling in the fat so that it actually works for weight loss if you're you're just eating protein if you have extra fat on your body and you're getting the minimal there are some essential fatty acids meaning you have to eat them so and you're getting the fatty acids with the food that you eat if it's a meat product like protein like chicken poultry fish shellfish eggs that sort of thing yeah so the, the one of the confusing elements today is that the keto ketogenic diet for epilepsy, uh, which really focuses on macro counting and the, the ratios per meal, that was developed because some children will have a seizure if they don't have the right macro level. Some children will have a seizure if they eat carbohydrates because their brain can't use sugar, can't use glucose for energy. It has to use ketones. And almost miraculously, some of these children have resolution of their seizures overnight when they stop eating carbohydrates. So the ketogenic diet was not uh, developed from the Banting diet in England. It was, was developed by a group um, in the U.S. Uh, in the early 1900s, ketogenic diet, Mayo Clinic, uh, Dr. Wilder, and then Hopkins um, and they are focused on the macros and and this, I see this in the internet keto that some people think they have to do by getting an app and making sure every meal is a certain ratio. And, and some people even check their own ketone levels with the that's blood fine. and the
2: urine. And, <laughs> I and, like to you know, experiment, I'm curious. Mike checks well, the keto.
1: <laughs> well, that's fine, you can do it if you want to, but you don't have to. Yeah. So remember uh, before there were any keto monitors, Dr. Ben- Mr. Banting actually, in England had a diet book that worked really well without measuring ketones or macros or or all this. So um, yes, the tech stuff is kind of cool and you can biohack and all that, but you're going way beyond the published science if you're gonna be fine tuning in that way. But I think the macro counting and the worry about getting ketones and the fat protein ratios comes from the ketogenic diet for epilepsy. And, sure. and that's not what I teach. I, I, I'm not that strict about it. You know, if you eat a, a thin mint Girl Scout cookie, you're not going to have a seizure. You just won't lose weight that day. I mean, if you sure. eat four of them, right? <laughs> so it, right. you want to keep the carbs really low because if you you eat carbs, you burn carbs. If you don't eat carbs, you're going to burn fat. And most people who come to me want to burn fat off their body. Um, and actually, so it's interesting because if you have fat on your body, I'd rather have the fat come from your body than from what you eat mm-hmm. from so, the weight loss, diabetes reversal perspective.
0: You're absolutely fine with lean meat then if you're trying to burn fat off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, lean meat, what does that mean? I mean, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, then fingernails the on head. the chalkboard if you remember that metaphor, um, cause you don't have to have lean meat. So, the fat that you eat will, though, interfere with the fat that you burn off the body. Um, you know, the um, type of keto diet that we teach, the low carbohydrate keto diet, we don't teach counting calories at all because the hunger goes down for just about everyone automatically. And they end up eating kind of a low calorie diet as defined by the nutritional people about 1,200, 1,300 calories a day. Um, but you can actually augment the weight loss if you consciously lower the calories on a keto diet. I mean, it's all, it's all about how do we comfortably get people to eat less in a, in a world where there's food everywhere. And um, you know, all the programs that lead to weight loss have to have you eat less than you were before. Uh, and this one is just kind of you know, automatic and almost miraculous, because after a day or two, you're just not hungry. Yeah. And, and I, uh, have the worriers who come in. Well, well, what about, what about, I said, look, just try for a day, mm-hmm. just try you know, and Well, but what about, what about, you know, what are, no, no, the hunger will be gone in the equation. Your, your perspective changes. It, now, now you're in charge because you're not hungry and that donut doesn't call your name. You know, you're not driving sure. over to the donut place anymore because you're just not hungry. Sure. <laughs> but, um, the there are all sorts of part of the confusion today is the the measurements of these things and the worry about the calculation and yes I'm okay with lean meat because actually over time so so I want to teach something that you're going to be comfortable with over time people will gravitate toward well hmm that's pretty tasty that you know that ribeye so there's a kind of a strategy at first if it makes sense to you to have lean meat because you know you've been taught that fine. You know, um, if I'm teaching you to ride a bicycle and you've never tried low handlebars, it's okay. I'll teach you to ride the bike with regular handlebars. And and then one day you're going to ride the bike without hands, you know, so, but there's kind of an art to teaching it in a way that's consistent with prior beliefs uh, so that it's easier for someone to kind of wrap their head around it. I also like that
0: in the book, you basically say say that you're going to focus on the diet first you're not going to worry about sleep you're not going to worry about exercise those things can come later but right now put your entire focus on the Mm -hmm. diet which is going to have the most benefit of you know according to the book
1: yeah you know um most doctors are not trained to help people lose weight I mean we just don't get training and I I bet you didn't get nutrition weight loss training and physical therapy school either right I mean we have kind of outsourced it to a group that thinks low-fat diets are the only thing you can do. That's the Academy of Diet of Nutrition and Dietetics. And um, although they did invite us to their annual meeting pre-COVID, us meaning Finney, Volick, and Westman, were the authors on the new Atkins book. And we are researchers and scientists. So but so there's a glimmer of hope that they'll the organization will adopt or allow for this. Mid-career, I realized I didn't have the tools I see. To help people lose weight. I I found this group that of doctors who've been helping people lose weight for fifty years. It, it was called the American Society of Bariatric Physicians, and at that stage, everyone thought bariatric meant surgery. So I would go to a meeting, I'm president of the American Society of Bariatric Physicians, and they, oh, what kind of surgery do you do? I said, no, no, no. so the next year I'd go, I'm the president of the American Society of Bariatric Physicians, the the medical doctors, not the surgeons. They'd think for a minute and go, oh, what kind of surgery do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Bariatric is now in everyone's mind as an operation right? surgery. So a group of us the, the kind of, we didn't create the organization, but we're the second generation. We said, okay, we got to change the name. So the name is the Obesity Medicine Association. Awesome. And there's actually now a formal board certification process called the American Board of Obesity Medicine, A-B-O-M. And you can get certified. It, Advanced training as a medical weight loss doctor. So, so I went out to, to do, learn on my own and, and then learn about nutrition by myself because we just weren't given the tools sure. to help people. And all I do is change the food. I don't ask people to exercise. And, and I know that people say, Oh, I didn't even try to lose weight because I know you have to exercise to lose weight and I have a knee problem and I can't. Have... No, no, no. <clears throat> If I strapped you in a wheelchair or a hospital bed and didn't feed you, you would lose weight, right? And you know, some people think, well, no, I don't think I would. No, come on. If you don't eat anything, you're going to lose weight. You know. And, and then I'll use the even crazier analogy of, have you ever watched these reality TV shows where they go for three weeks and, and they're out in the wild and, and you can see the pre-post pictures and the weights and they lose a pound a day? of right. weight, because they're not eating anything at all. Right. Intake. Right. So yeah, right. diet is the most important thing. And, and then there are the kind of doctors who say, well, it's 80% diet, 20% exercise. No, 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 it's 100% diet. Remember if I strapped you in the, the, the chair and didn't let you eat, you would lose weight. That's 100% without any exercise. So yeah, so we target diet first. And that's because in my clinic population, most people don't have the energy they don't have the, the you know uh, joint function to be able to exercise at all and, right. uh, and uh, so doctors often not only do we not know what to say that works often we say what doesn't work to people right and, and reinforces so you know, I used to say just exercise more or you know just eat less and, and that doesn't work and and uh, so now I explain to someone all I do is help people lose weight if what I did, didn't work i wouldn't have a job because people wouldn't come back and right mm-hmm. i'm within an insurance system so actually i would get paid if it didn't work but but don't tell anyone that <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the insurance system so that, I, that people can get the services through insurance rather than have to pay out of pocket for things and sure. there are a growing number of insurance-based doctors doing this but um so i i'll say look i don't want to waste time on things that don't work I'm not even going to talk about exercise and actually that relieves where you can just see the look in people's I eyes it. saying well, i was so uh, i was so worried because i i thought you had to exercise no you don't so yeah we start with diet alone and uh, it's uh, actually pretty amazing that you can do so much uh with just changing the food because that's another whole uh, who knew that eating eating really good food was really important. I wasn't taught that as right. growing up with Frosted Flakes and Captain exactly. And, uh, anyway.
0: um, Well, Mike, do you want to ask a question about... I'll
2: just ask this right now. Oh, sure. Uh, I guess the next question would be, how did you find out about the keto diet originally? Yeah, so
1: like most doctors, I, I didn't get any training in how to help people lose weight or, or even proper nutrition. Maybe I had a few... Uh, lectures about total parenteral nutrition, which is where you take over the food in the hospital for people, take over the nutrition sure. even in in the vein. Uh, but there were two of my my patients in an ambulatory care setting at the VA hospital in Durham. I was working at the Veterans Affairs Hospital, and two of my patients did this diet and lost weight, which was, these, this was an outlier, definitely. Most people did not lose weight, even if I sent them to the dietician down the hall, they didn't have success. So I was curious and said, well, you know, what did you do? And, you know, one of them looked at me in the eye and, and, you know, said, well, all I did is eat steak and eggs. And I was like, well, whoa, that can't be good for you. And and (laughs) well, you know, I read this book. It's the Atkins diet book. You know, it was written before you were born. Now that was getting a little, you know, personal close, but, (laughs) but it wasn't before I was born. But um, so I, it was really through my patients that I, I learned about this and um, was curious because nothing else had worked up until then. And then like most doctors today, I read a little bit about it and said, "Ah, oh, your cholesterol was probably gonna go up, don't do that. And one of the patients said, "You know, why are you afraid of this or concerned about it? I said, your cholesterol will go up. And he looked at me and said, well, why don't you check it? And I was like, okay you know, checked it, the, the lab was down the hall and it was better. So, wow. so this is like, you know, if, if something can't happen and you see it once and then twice, and then a the third time, I wasn't so overtrained to ignore what was happening in front of my face. So I started to question, uh, maybe, uh, this did work and, and how wonderful that would be. These people didn't even need a doctor to lose the weight. They did it all on their own. Sure. Um, so out of a kind of, um, Curiosity, I wrote Dr. Atkins a letter. He was in practice in New York City. This is going back to 1998. And he called back and, and asked a few questions and said, Well, why don't you come up to the office and see what I do? And so we had a day in New York City and I pitched him a study. I had a one page, hey, why don't you do this study? And, you know, you're going to have to pay for it. And he pulled out his checkbook and wrote the check and I was like, Well, this is a pretty awesome. easy. Day. Study to get. Uh, so we did it six months. It looked great. We went uh 50 people over six months. We published that paper and then went back. They had created a foundation. So we did a randomized trial looking at low carb keto versus low fat. And this is now one of about oh, 30 studies that had that same low fat versus low carb parallel design randomized controlled trial. And um so Dr. Um, Yancey and I were the Duke group and then Dr. Volak at UConn, University of Connecticut, now at Ohio State, we both starting to do clinical studies on the Atkins diet. And really the today's keto diet is like the Atkins induction diet, meaning it, it's that first phase and it's using total carbs, not net carbs, which is right. another cause of internet keto confusion today. It's not that it can't work. It's just not quite as powerful. Uh, but um, sadly, Dr. Atkins died in um, 2003, you know, before I could really say, hey, you know, teach me. I mean, so I didn't work with him day to day. There were some other doctors that did, and they took over a lot of Dr. Atkins patients in New York City, I but see. I applied for research. You know, and um, now that research has been done all over the world, finding similar results that cutting carbs down, lowers the glucose, lowers the insulin, you lose weight, you can reverse diabetes. And probably the, you know, 20 years of this research, the the pioneering study that on diabetes done by Virta health out of Silicon Valley, it's a company that uses a keto approach for diabetes. Their paper is just fantastic showing reversal, even with people on insulin. And, you know, I see this in my office all the time, but to be able to say, here's the research publication is a huge bonus. And I think that's gonna turn the tide in terms of the mainstream medical people uh, paying attention to it.
0: Sure, because um, that was one of our questions is, you know, why do you think so many doctors are against keto? You know, are really not accepting of it. I, I'm gonna give you an example here. My, uh, a family member, uh, she's been getting her fasting or fasting glucose tested and every year it's been going up a little bit. And uh, her doctor said she's gonna eventually develop type two diabetes, even though she's not pre-diabetic yet, but just the fact, seeing the pattern. And he said, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you're, you're headed that direction. Well,
1: so. um, yeah, most doctors don't know. You know, they only know what they see or, or there's the old saying, we practice like we were trained in residency, which, you know, for me was sure. 30 years ago. Right. You know, it would be like saying, you know, I still use a phone with a cord on it. So sure. <laughs> uh, I'm starting to use that metaphor because actually, you know, Silicon Valley is where virtual health, the biohacking sort of thing is taken off. And, you know, if they, you know, went to my mother and, and asked, you know, is it okay for us to use chips and all these things? Right. Would say, well, no, you need a phone with a cord. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. It, um, well, but, you know, all kidding aside, we were taught that it was bad. We were, we were it, it, You know, we weren't taught that smartphones were bad. Right, right. I mean, right. We were right. taught that eating fat was bad. And a whole generation. or years and years. Yeah, a generation. I mean, really. Yeah, and we no, taught, exactly and it really is um uh, I, i'm so frustrated that someone who's in their 20s 20 years old you know my children's age will come in worried about a cholesterol level it's like, oh yeah. no not. i mean even the new generation of kids they they were worried about cholesterol and uh, you know um uh i don't want people to be worried about cholesterol i want them to be worried about the blood sugar right and in, uh, in fact, one of the videos I'm going to do soon is, if your doctor has recommended uh, medicine for diabetes, watch this video. And what awesome. I'm going to do is yeah, talk, awesome know, how, talk about how lifestyle change fixes, reverses, and even prevents diabetes. So, so I'm afraid the doctor who has that response, you know, has this crystal ball of prediction only of people who are eating carbs and eating, you know, garbage and, and junk food. Well,
0: I like that. <laughs> That's awesome, garbage. Yeah. Um, Mike, why don't you answer, ask another question? Um,
2: I guess you already kind of talked about checking people's insulin levels, but what are other lab values like you would look at for your patients? Just like, what are some good markers? Like say I go to a normal doctor you know, they're still concerned about all these things. What are some things I could ask them? Like, well, can you look at this lab value? You know, what would be a superior lab value, I guess?
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, so I'm an internal medicine specialist then trained as an obesity medicine specialist. So I have a, a general training. I, I don't do that kind of practice anymore. I'm a specialist in lifestyle and, and even keto medicine. Um, but I think the, the generally, um, accepted things to measure. There are these things called vital signs. When you go in blood pressure is still one of the most important, you know, it's not a blood test, but it's a test you want to know. And, you know, that's a whole nother miraculous story. Who, who was the first one to think about measuring blood pressure, you know, it's a fascinating story. Um, but so it's really the, the glucose, the, the sugar axis, not the cholesterol axis, in the blood. What I mean is the, the parameters that have to do with elevated blood sugar, elevated insulin, hemoglobin A1C. These are the things that you want to have checked, um, not the, the old total cholesterol LDL thing. Um, it's called metabolic syndrome. When you look at triglyceride and HDL and the waist circumference. And so that's the other the other vital sign is the weight. And you adjust the weight and the height to get a BMI. And you know, if you're not at a gym where you have muscle bound people, the, the BMI is actually a pretty good predictor. And it, it's now uh, in a recent paper in JAMA Cardiology that I, I wanna talk about a whole lot with other doctors, uh, shows that um, these classic risk factors include smoking in there. And, and I came through the nicotine smoking cessation world for 10 years where we tried to get smoking status as a vital sign because it is so important to reduce the heart disease, which is really all, what all of these things are trying to prevent. So smoking, blood pressure, BMI is a great predictor of, of future heart attack, of future cardiovascular disease. And then it's uh, the having diabetes is the, the worst thing you can have in terms of future heart disease. So again, we're trying to prevent and of course, if you have these things, you have to know that you can reverse diabetes in most cases if it's type two diabetes. Um, so, kind of, you know, the one number, if the, if you really press me, uh, it, it's an insulin level that you really should have checked. And the problem is, doctors don't do it. They'll say, "Oh, we don't measure insulin levels." So, if you measure a blood sugar level. It might be normal, but at the expense of a really high insulin level to keep it normal. Sure. So there was this old timey test, test called the glucose tolerance test, where you gave a sugar load, and then you watched the blood sugar and the insulin over time. Uh, some of them didn't have insulin and just the glucose. But if your insulin level is high, and a doctor wants to put you on insulin, you don't need more insulin it's already too high. <laughs> you want right. to take action to rever- reverse the insulin level, not add more insulin. So I'm afraid my internal medicine endocrinology field has gone down the pathway of adding medicines and even adding insulin on the medicines to treat diabetes when the insulin's already high and it doesn't fix diabetes or reverse it, it just manages it. I mean, have you heard that on the ads on TV now. It, it right. just, again, it's like uh, the fingers on the chalkboard. Manage your diabetes with this medicine. Oh, you know, you can actually reverse it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and I I just want to add that in your book, you do actually talk about you know the tests and and kind of the whole insulin dependent and uh, or the whole syndrome. So it's yeah. it's explained well in there. So. Again, I have another self-serving question here. (laughs) So another family member, uh, really fits your profile exactly for someone who's carb intolerant, Um, has uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, is obese. PCOS, 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 yeah, uh, has migraines, hypertension. So do you have any, I know you've done a lot of studies. um, Do you have any sense of the success with people like her diabetes, or you know, what what is the success rate?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. All those wow. things will go away. Wow, ninety five percent. I mean, but but the you have to do it, right? So now, you can't mess up or intertwine the oh, you know, I couldn't do it, so it didn't work. Well, that's like saying I prescribed you a pill and you didn't take it, right? You know, don't don't blame the pill for not working if you didn't take the pill. So actually, yeah, all of those are manifestations of carbon tolerance and uh, or insulin resistance. And, um, you know, so I don't oversell in my office. I'll say, well, you know, there's a good chance those things will get better, you know, because most people who come to my office don't they're not attracted to the doctor saying, oh, everything will get better. They want me to be more, more stoic and more measured. Yeah, more measured in my way of saying it. But yeah, all those things get better. Oh, that is awesome. The, P- the PCOS is fascinating because polycystic ovarian syndrome PCOS is insulin resistance. How it, and it affects the ovaries by making uh, women more like men. It sure. makes more testosterone, and and I'm afraid that getting obese really make it makes women more like men and men more like women. You know, the extra breast size like, and oh, that's just obesity in general now because that gets better on a keto diet you get the, all of those benefits and at duke we have a great fertility program i mean it's state-of-the-art academic program which means they're using medications they don't address lifestyle right so will have people go to they have pcos they don't have periods they have in infertility they can't get pregnant They'll go through all of the, the high expensive programs and procedures, all these pills and drugs. Very expensive. And even like in vitro stuff uh, or in vivo uh, fertilization kinds of things. And when it doesn't work, the doctors there will say, oh, well, maybe you should lose some weight. <laughs> and then they they end up in my office and within a month, they're pregnant. Oh, wow. One month. Now, how could that be? How could, It's metabolic it's hormonal it's that change in so it's the carbohydrates and the insulin that change the testosterone level and and um it's very powerful but so you know if there was one thing that i wish i knew if i could go back and tell myself you know at age 15 or you know that the, the right. old thing it's you know what you eat really matters mm-hmm. you know uh, you wouldn't put dirty fuel in a car right you know? I mean, not that you can. I mean, one of my patients came in; he was all distraught because by mistake he put diesel fuel in a regular engine, and not it, it destroys it. I, mean, I didn't know. I have never tried it. I've, I've never. But he it, I didn't know that either. He ruined his car. Huh. Yeah, don't don't try this. At home. <laughs> but but you know why would why where did it happen that we kind of lost our minds in terms of. Maybe what we eat and drink don't matter matters to our function. Yeah. Doctors gave it up in the mid 1980s. You, you don't have in medical school, DO schools, they don't treat, they, they don't teach nutrition. Um, and I would love to see a medical school or, or PA or physical therapy school <laughs> come up and the, the dean gets up or the professor says, you know, the most important thing, yeah, we're going to talk about this, that, and the other thing, but what you eat and drink is fundamental to health
2: yes Mm -hmm. how radical
1: is that right right right
2: maybe do you want to talk about since like since i'm keto and i've been keto for like four years newcomers typically ask me about keto flu do you just want to like talk about that a little bit
1: sure yeah. I wish, I wish it wasn't called keto. Free, right? I, yeah. I know, it's I'm, misleading. You're, you're, so no like, you're
2: not going to vomit and get sick.
1: Keto, keto headache. And most yeah. people don't get it, you know, yeah. um, occasionally the, um, uh, so, uh, you might have flu like symptoms and be and uh, laid up in bed. I, I think the worst case, someone said, you know, I was in bed for a week. And then, you know, I always wonder really seven days, or did it seem like a week, but, um, uh, in the studies that we've done, and um, most people don't get a keto adaptation sort of syndrome. So when you go, that's really what I prefer it to be called, but let's call it keto flu. Most people don't get keto flu. So if you're worried about it, don't be deterred from trying it. Sure. Um, it's headache, it's fatigue, it's cravings. Although some people say cravings are part of a withdrawal syndrome from stopping carbs. So really what you're going through is more complicated than just transitioning from carb eating and carb burning to fat eating and fat burning, but it gets all glommed together as keto flu. Um, There's things you can do to reduce your your chances of getting it and and the severity of it. One is adding in salt uh, or in the form of bullion or electrolyte formula. And um, of course, if you have high blood pressure or a history of heart failure or a kidney failure, you don't wanna add in salt. And I always have those disclaimers on there, but for the general public who's otherwise healthy, you just add a bullion once or twice a day to hot water, and that will reduce your chances of getting keto flu. Most people sail through the first few days, first week, without any trouble at all. It's really pretty amazing. And you're just changing the fuel source from what you eat, the carbs to, well, fat, because that's, what's remaining when you don't eat carbs and then you start burning your body fat so well your hunger goes down you don't need to be eating and then if uh, most people understand that if you have sugar it just makes you want to have more sugar there's no stop right. valve or stop you know when you have, if you have a whole bag of m&ms or popcorn or anything i mean you eat the whole thing yeah. there's no break you know that says okay i've had enough popcorn it's yeah. like Well, it's the bottom of the container. I guess I'm done. They're
0: definitely definitely trigger foods. Yeah,
2: hyper palatable foods. Yeah, Yeah, I would say I kind of got it, but I was under the preconceived notion that I could still train very intense. (laughs) And that just basically deplenished my electrolytes. Mine was just electrolyte issue when I had it. I just kind of had to learn the back off intensity of working out early on and then Ramp it back up later on when I felt better. I guess. Yeah.
1: So give yourself a break. The first, yeah. if you're exercising, you're in the gym. Don't, uh, you know, give a few weeks or so. Um, you know, there, there's a movie or a couple movies. One called Serial Killers, C E R E A L, mm-hmm. and Serial Killers Two. These are documentary films um, about athlete, athletes doing keto diets, and they're fascinating. They're it's packed with information serial killers and serial killers too and what made me think of that is in serial killers too one of my teachers Steve Finney teaches uh these two triathletes how to fat burn and then wait until they were totally fat adapted meaning they were actually measuring how much fat they were burning and and then they would be put in a rowboat and then row from San Francisco to Hawaii in the open sea which was the (laughs) It's a fascinating movie, wow. but, but they waited six months because they still were adapting and able to burn more fat over yeah. a six-month period. You see, they didn't want to take the chance of only being halfway adapted if sure. they're going to break yeah. the world record. So, you know, if you want to, you know, use this in your your kids' soccer team, don't do it the week before the season starts. Uh-huh. You're going to train them in the off-season so that they're already keto adapted. and They'll have amazing stamina. And uh, by the way. So Sami Inkinen, who was in that rowboat with his wife, um, broke the world's record of rowing from San Francisco to Hawaii by 15 days. Oh my God! I, I, I don't know. I think it was, they won it. They did it in 45 days, and the prior record was 60 days. Wow! You know, constantly rowing and you know, and sleeping and all. And uh, uh, it's a great uh, dramatization of. Yes, you can run on fat when you're doing this kind of activity. Uh, a little trivia is that Sami Inkinen, the guy in the movie, is actually one of the founders of Verta Health, yeah, the okay. company that's using diabetes. Same, same guy, and um, uh, so he he's driven because of his personal sure, Um And then the other kind of exerciser that you know, my my clinic, my my um, comfort zone is diabetes, obesity, people, you know. Giving people permission not to exercise while they start the diet. That uh, if someone comes in like you, who, who's already exercising a lot, I'll refer you to these movies to Professor Noakes, who wrote, uh, oh, yeah. Running, he is. who became a carb, anti carb guy or, or fat burning. Zach Bitter is the 100 mile race ultra marathon champion, mm-hmm. and he's got zachbitter.com. Uh, and there's also another a product that I don't know much about, but the the owner teaches keto, and that's Vespapower.com. Um, and I, I refer um, people for those clinical uh, sources of teaching because I that you know I, I'm I, I hear a lot about this and go to meetings where people are are using it, but I that's not my clinic. I don't have thousands of people who've done exercise. Sure. Um,
2: yeah, no. wow, I think Jeff kind of wrote the low-carb performance book, too.
1: Yeah, so Steve Finney and Jeff Wallach uh, have two books that are kind of the advanced course I would recommend. The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate um, Diet, Low-Carbohydrate Living, and The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Performance. Mm-hmm. Those are excellent little, like, um, monograph books. They're not, you know, huge, and that's the advanced information if you are exercising and want um, to know more about it, how to uh, keto-adapt. And you get great stories about the Inuit, uh, the Eskimo uh, folks who didn't eat carbs. And Steve Finney, one of my teachers, um, wrote those books with Jeff Volek. And um, uh, it's great to just, it it, it just helps because we were all taught that this was something you shouldn't do. And yet, all, there's all sorts of information that if you look for it, it really supports it. You know, the paleo, primal, ancestral health movement—it's really saying the same thing sure. in a different way. Um, now, a source of internet confusion today is the concern about food quality. You know, it, whether you have to get grass-fed beef—that was one of our questions. Yeah, no,
2: cats, you can talk I, about that now.
1: Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, but so I've never, I've never recommended those things because, well, because in my clinic in Durham, most of my patients won't do that. They, they don't have the money. We don't have the, the, the resources here. We uh, finally have some uh, uh, grocery store chains that carry a lot of this stuff but most people can't afford it here. And so I teach a, 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 an approach that's not overly concerned about food quality I can't remember the last time I ate at McDonald's personally, and remember this isn't about me, but many of my patients just eat at McDonald's or or Burger King or Wendy's. And they taught me that you can actually go and have two burgers or bacon cheeseburgers with no buns and no fries and no sugar in the drinks. And and they lost a hundred pounds. Wow. So, you know, (laughs) so what I, I teach is kind of the fundamentals of, you know, here's what you need to know about carbs. You can do it in so many different ways. Um, I I really don't want to give a you know here's a cookbook with a meal plan and all this because that's limiting. It it, it would limit you to think oh you have to have this kind of recipe. No, it's really um, once you understand the basics. You know when I teach you to ride a bike, you can ride anywhere you want. You know and I remember the the look in my kids eyes when they were like see you (laughs) dad. And so that's my approach: is to like, bring people in, teach them, and then you know, you go, you can learn this and do it. Um, although a lot of people do need or do want the support at first, sure. Uh, much like training wheels on the bike, or, or you know, doing it on the asphalt at first, or, or grass even. Um, you know, eventually you can be mountain biking and and or, or you know, making your own food uh, if you want to do. Uh, buy the half of cow with a friend and put it in the freezer, you know, from the farm nearby. Great. I mean, so that's now introduced the element of let's change food production in the U S with my dollar. Right. So if you're able, if you're thinking, well, I want to use my money to try to change the agribusiness, then, then you want to go to your farmer's market, Locally, sure. you want to uh, spend food on the um, money on the highest quality foods, and and I do believe that will drive the uh, people in this direction. Yeah, um, but but you don't have to do those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, you're taking it to account people's reality, and and uh, if you don't, they they are going to fail, like like you mentioned. I uh, we kind of touched up on this a little bit, but uh, would you now? I feel like I could read your book and do the keto diet. Now, do you recommend p- people trying the book and maybe your website? And you, you got some cl- classes there, or do you recommend they should get medical help? I, I know you mentioned in the book that if you're on medications, you probably are going to have to have medical help because you might be off the, have to be off those medications fairly quick.
1: Yeah, to- so i over 20 years, I've learned a lot about the safe use of nutrition. And, and you know, now that you know nutrition is powerful, you know, it's, it's probably the most important thing you need to know about how to maintain the human body. Uh, and most doctors don't get trained in it. <laughs> but I've learned that um, it's really just healthy eating what we're teaching. And it, so it's not internet keto. It's real food. Sure. Keeping carbs low, eating good sources of protein and some vegetables, and and limiting the fats. Don't you don't want overconsumption of cheese, cream, things like that. Okay. Um, but if you're on so the medical world, uh, my medical world, internal medicine has has sort of gotten wrapped up in its medication treatment. That's all it really knows and all it teaches. And you know. My understanding of medications is important because I can take people off them safely. So yeah, if you are on medications like diabetes, high blood pressure, or let's just say any medicines, you know, not skin topical skin things, but, right? Um, make sure if you don't, you know, if you're not health trained, you're not a nurse or a doctor or a physical therapist who knows about diabetes and blood pressure. Um, do this with a doctor who knows about it and will help. You get off those medicines, you know, one problem today is to say do this with your doctor is most doctors don't know about it. Mm-hmm. So now you need to find a keto friendly doctor and there are more and more keto friendly doctors, but they're not on every corner um, so but that so the safe use is you know, if you're on medicine don't do this. Um, you know, full bore, you might go in that direction and notice how the blood sugars and the blood pressures are changing. And I'm a big fan of home monitoring. Um, You know, I've never prescribed a a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor. I I know a lot of doctors are doing that. Yeah, I like the idea. Um, I got a friend that has it, yeah. But but the home monitoring of blood sugar is is, um, necessary. Really important if you're on medicines for diabetes. And the home blood pressure monitoring is really important if you're on medication for blood pressure. Because then you'll see changes happening between visits. And often, uh, so I you know, I learned this the hard way. There's someone who a month later came back and had a low blood pressure. Oh, sure. This was, this was years ago, before I, you know, oh, I need to now, if it's trending down, I need to kind of anticipate the blood pressure is going to keep coming down. Uh, So um, yeah, you want to, to, for the safest use, you want to do this with a doctor or practitioner who understands how to use it. But if you have no health problems, um, uh, this is just changing to another healthy pattern of eating. And I think there are lots of ways to be healthy. I mean, and end your carb confusion, we Talk about low glycemic diets and low carb diets that are nowhere near keto diets. But that's if you're not carbohydrate intolerant, if you're not insulin resistant, you're not diabetic, you're exercising a lot. If you have a metabolic flexibility, you're able to eat more carbs and be healthy. Um, but um, uh, the uh, main, yeah, and it, from a clinical standpoint, be careful if you're on medications because the medicines can become too strong.
0: And you do mention in your book, um, I think it was a website called a couple of websites, but was it ketogenic docs uh, uh, where you can maybe find a ketogenic doctor in your area?
1: Well, you know, even since this book was published and that was just in December, there's an organization called the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners that S. MHP. <laughs> I, I'm on the board. We we created this organization, the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners, to be um, inclusive of all professionals. So physical therapists can join. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> dieticians can join. Um, uh, medical doctors can join. So it, it all you need to understand is that we are focusing on metabolism. So it's not just it's not keto. It, while we have a, a guideline on carbohydrate restriction, which is the medical literature term carbohydrate restriction, we will include anyone in this organization, regardless of what food they're pushing or, or even what medication, if it's um, related to improving the metabolic health of people. Uh, so that I'm really excited about that. We just launched this organization um, to be, um, I'm afraid it's, this happens kind of over and over where new organizations have to come to be because the other ones just don't embrace, they, they get off into a direction that they can't, you know, you're telling people to eat fat. I mean, we can't do that in the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, right? or, Or you're not allowing, you know, the obesity medicine association, I'm a past president of that only allows doctors and, and, physical or uh, physician assistants and nurse practitioners. They don't allow uh, to be a voting member, uh, a dietitian or a physical therapist. So now you're getting into the, what kind of organization. that. So I'm really excited about the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners.
0: Yeah, we'll have to make sure we put that in the Yeah, I put that in the
2: description below. Mike,
1: do you have another question?
2: Uh, Do you just wanna briefly talk about your three stages uh, in your new book?
1: Yeah, so End Your Carb Confusion, is kind of the uh, amalgamation of the, the summary of, of my 20 years in the low carb research arena. So I've studied low fat diets, I've studied low carb diets, I've studied low glycemic diets, I've studied keto diets. And so what end your carb confusion does is allows you to get a good gauge of where you might fit. So we have a table that you go through, you, the checkbox system and then it will fit you into one of three categories and the categories are based on the carb level uh, for the day not per meal and then the the way you determine the carb level is using total carbs not net Mm -hmm. so the science says that it's more precise to use total carbs not net carbs because you get this variability of some people absorb fiber others don't some people have the sugar alcohol is affecting the metabolism. Others don't. So we use total carbs, not net. And then, you know, roughly you get into a category of 20 or below, which is kind of my total carbs, 20 per day, will get everyone into ketosis, even the most um, severe diabetic uh, people with insulin resistance on medicines. Um, so that's that phase one. Prescription strength is that 20 gram or less phase one. And then, but now let's say you've reached your goal with phase one. Um, what are you going to do? Well, many people can transition to phase two, or some people actually end up in phase two from the get go because you don't have a major metabolic issue. Um, so we teach people how to make those transitions. And I mean, spoiler alert is you just do it really slow you know, slowly compare, you don't want to go back to what you were eating that got you here in the first place. And, and then you want to focus on really nutritious foods, not go back to the, all of the junk in the middle of the grocery store, gotcha. you know, and um, then phase three, I mean, phase three is the, you know, my brother, basically, it was always the one in the gym, playing basketball in high school and in college and could eat fruit all day long, never gained a pound. And um, so if you're naturally active and you're an exerciser and even um, uh, like to eat those kinds of foods, you may be able to eat up to, again, with sort of a arbitrary number, but up to 100, 150 grams of carbs for the day, which, um, uh, you know, that from my perspective, that's a lot, but if you're otherwise healthy. There are a lot of ways to be healthy. You don't, you don't have to be keto. Um, although what we've learned over the last 20 years is you can be keto if you're paying attention to eating real foods and it can be healthy. It might even be more advantageous. And you know we don't get into this in the book, but at the keto conferences, we do a lot where the, the lower your insulin level, if you're a worm you know, in the research setting, if you're a mouse, if you're um, maybe even a a human, we don't, primates, they've looked at, um, the lower the insulin level, the longer the organism lives. Interesting. You you can be eating in a manner that keeps insulin down, you probably live longer. And we're talking like 10%. Wow. Of a human lifespan, it could be 10 years. You know, we're not talking, you know, the, if you exercise an hour, you gain a minute of life at the end of your life, you know, that's a trivial amount, but um so the real keto crazies and there's a conference called the metabolic health summit that puts has put together the uh the keto for epilepsy the paleo and then the low carb for diabetes obesity researchers all in one place metabolic health summit we, we kind of brainstorm about how how great it is and all that but but you know I, I'm still not again I want the level of evidence to say yeah you're gonna live longer before I say, yeah, you're going to go sure. long, but we, we kind of look at it thinking, you know, this has promise. Sure. Really, because you want to keep that insulin level down.
0: Well, it makes sense. I mean, Mike, do you have another question or do you want me to take one?
2: Um, I would, I guess, a question would be um, I know, like Dr. Bernstein, he's a type 1 diabetic and he eats keto. Do you work with any type 1 diabetics? I know type 2 diabetics always go to this and can reverse their diabetes. Type 1, it's a little different. Do you just want to talk about that?
1: Sure. You know, years ago, before I started doing research on the low-carb keto diet, I visited doctors who were doing this approach. I visited Dr. Atkins in New York City. I visited Dr. Bernstein, Dr. Richard K. Bernstein, who lives outside of New York City um, in the Maranek. And um, and to this day, he's still working out of his office in his home. Um, I visited him 18 years ago, and then just a few years ago, and uh, a brilliant uh, pioneer, you know, it's we stand on his shoulders. Uh, he, great story of fixing his own type one, not, I wouldn't say fix it, but managing it with fewer carbs. So um, Dr. Bernstein has taught a lot of people through his book, The Diabetes Solution for type one diabetes. And while you can't get off insulin if you're type one, you can have almost perfect blood sugar control blood glucose control because you're not putting in the same amount of carbohydrate that the insulin level and so he taught me that you and it makes sense you have to reduce the input of carbs to the system in order to get good control sure you know but classically the regular doctors didn't understand that you didn't have to eat carbohydrates so most type ones are taught to eat carbs and to just give insulin, but then you're never going to get good control. So a father of a child with diabetes, uh, Mr. Dykeman, set up a Facebook group called Type 1 Grit. And this is kind of the advanced, you know I'll meet someone here, I'll teach them, but you got to join this Facebook group called Type 1 Grit. It's TYPEONEGRIT because there are thousands of people now in that, or parents of people with type one who are all doing a keto diet and and they'll teach you how to do it and fine tune it. Um, One of my fellows uh, at Duke in endocrinology wanted a project and so she surveyed the members of type one grit, what they were doing, how much insulin they were taking. And then Dr. Uh, Ludwig at Harvard redid it with validation of the self-report at doctor's offices it led to a survey publication in the journal pediatrics in 2018 and it was the most cited publication in pediatrics that year wow. so uh, the type 1 grit and the but don't expect your mainstream endocrinologist to know about it they're again they're they're focused on the medication right and they might even be fine-tuning the insulin pump with uh, different types of insulin throughout the day and a in a feedback loop system and they're focused when all you have to do is cut the carbs and you get sure. uh, the blood sugars. And you know, the what I'm told is that people with type one really do a keto diet so that they don't they don't have hypoglycemic events anymore. They sure. don't have the, the feared. Hypo, you know, when you're driving or at night. Right. Yeah. Um, and, right. And so, yeah, that's fascinating. How again, it's kind of a a grassroots change. It's a theme in keto and in low carb. The it's the athletes doing it on their own. It's the type one. It's uh, um, right. Another another group of Mcardle disease, people with with a disease that doesn't allow their muscle to store glycogen, and they basically fix themselves. And, and I met these people at a meeting, we published a paper, we, they had a, a group, an interest group put together. Um, and it's, it's the tail wagging the dog, so to speak, of right. people already doing it. And now that university academics are like, oh, maybe yeah. we, can, we should study it now. Sure.
0: It's often the case on, on something that's being pioneered. Um, there is a lot of diagnosis here in the phase one that this can help. Um, one I was kind of interested in was IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So both my daughter and I uh, had trouble with bloating and really upset stomachs. And Mike had this problem two years ago, and we went on the FODMAP diet. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And it seems very similar to, in some extent, I wonder if I would have probably been fine if I would have gone on the keto diet and maybe would have took care of the problem too. It's. Uh, do you have any experience with that or? Any thoughts? Yeah, so the FODMAP,
1: um, I always, uh, F for fructose, fructose. Yeah. fructose.
2: fermentable. Oh, fermentable.
1: Goes, I, These are basically the simple sugars. Right. I'll yeah. put in an acronym, FODMAP. Well, on a keto diet, you would get no sh- simple sugars, mm-hmm. but also you don't have gluten, you don't have all these other things. So a keto diet's like a FODMAP diet on steroids. Sure. So if you got benefit from FODMAP, you'll get a lot of benefit from a low-carb keto diet. It's it's even stronger. Um, And yeah, the the gurgly, the the bloating, the the pain, all that goes away. Heartburn goes away, hundred percent.
2: I've had I had GERD and really bad bloating. And I didn't try to resolute that with keto. I just tried keto because I was curious. And I'm like, when I tried keto, I was in my late 20s and I'm in my early 30s now. But all that bloating and gas just went away. And then later on, I heard about FODMAP. And then, you know, I kind of saw the correlation. I'm like, well, I cut out all these, you know, huge food groups. And then it just kind of fixed itself, honestly.
1: Yeah, if you had a Venn diagram of low-carb keto and FODMAP, the overlap, uh, the is basically the absence of the simple sugars. Sure. But on the traditional Thobnab diet, it's not a low carb diet.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not a not a keto diet. So if you're sensitive to those other things, or you're trying to lose weight, it doesn't work all that well. Because sure. yeah. it's not designed for that. So um, you know, it's almost like I see these um, researchers inching in this area, and I'm like, just take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> But, but then, the, you know, you get the litany of 10 things, but then you'd feed, feed more fat. Right. You know? and, and then what about the cholesterol? And what about the, the what about the, what? Uh.
2: Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those diets you just have to try. Like, you don't understand it. Like, you can research as much as you want about it. But until you, you experience know, it, I you don't know.
1: I don't know how this works. I don't know how it works. Sure. Uh, but it's really useful. Right. <laughs> the smartphone so you don't need to really know
0: how it works right Mm -hmm. you know mike had a question on on adherence to the diet whether you know people have trouble with that but you know my experience with the fodmap diet and my daughter's experience is i mean you feel so good it's such a motivator to stay on it and Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's what you're finding with your patients or do do some have just trouble with the the repetitive nature of it
1: well um there's a whole range uh, you know, you take any sort of dietary change uh, or lifestyle change. Some people will do it, some people won't. And, and uh, those who get the best clinical benefit tend to stay with it. So I, I don't say that you need to do keto forever, but a lot of right. people do because they have great, great energy. They, they are able to live life in a way without worry about food. Now, if you're hungry all day long and obsessive thinking about food and it goes away, so there are a lot of things beyond the medical problems that get better. Um, and But, you know, there's very few people who are ha- happier than the people I can get off insulin shots. Right. I mean, you know, and then not having to check, you know, but the world, the medical world is trying to make it simpler, right? Well, you don't have to check this. You just check right. the on the arm and it will make the needle really small. So you can yeah. no, You don't have to do any of that stuff. Right. Um, but you know, there's a um, a teaching of um, and adapting it to someone's own personal lifestyle. That that's kind of the art of doing this. And lots of different people. And it's important to handle the issues with the family yes. if there are carb eaters in the house, um, and um, whether someone's shopping at a a, a uh, very expensive grocery store or, or no, you know, not expensive. Uh, whether someone's going to fast food or restaurants that that's kind of the art of implementing it. But you know, the, the main thing is to keep the carbs really low. There's a lot of behavioral stuff. I have to admit that I just repeat, I, I, I give people um, praise for not having breakfast. And that's a funny thing because people will come in, you know, and I didn't have breakfast. Oh, good. Because everyone else told them you have to have breakfast. Mm-hmm. And and you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day well you know came up with that the cereal manufacturers yeah. cereal companies yeah. exactly they're and, also and, the so, ones that
0: came up with the idea that you
1: need to exercise to lose weight well that was the big distraction right played out in actually a very well renowned research program got in a lot of trouble because it Surface that they were getting you know million dollars oh, sure. Coca-Cola to study exercise sure and i'd always wondered why you know he's a colleague of mine why he never talked about food or diet he only talked about exercise and and when they did a diet study it was you now you know kind of a wimpy sort of thing you know a survey sort of thing and it's because if you fund a program to study something that's right different not, I mean they have a lot to do there's a lot okay. of research to do there but then it's like it implies that you don't have to worry about it or right. it's not important the tobacco industry did the same thing Sure. And the sugar industry is getting called out for that sort of manipulation of researchers uh, uh, intentionally and, and that's kind of sad to see Yeah, we got to be a little more um, uh, uh, a little less naive about the the intent of people who are getting money. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, Well, about a couple more questions, Mike? Why don't you ask one and I'll ask one yet.
2: Sure. Um, I guess just a good question to ask. Have you ever found anyone, a patient or yourself that like the keto diet just really didn't work well for them or like they had some negative health effects come with it? Because you always hear the doctors say it's fine short term, but not long term. And I, I, I've heard you talk about this in other videos, so I just want you to repeat it for the audience, I guess.
1: Well, you know, there was such concern about low-carb keto diets that it's now basically one of the one of the most studied diets of all time because people were concerned about it. Mm-hmm. And and the, the kind of ironic upshot of that is people didn't do the second study, so there are all of these people who oh, did really the third study and they didn't find it bad so they didn't they didn't find what they wanted so they stopped studying it oh my gosh mm-hmm. which is you know you would think you would follow that signal
2: right but that was,
1: they weren't trying to find it something that worked they were trying to show that it was bad
2: yeah well, so is that the minnesota coronary something study that was done is that the one you're well, talking and about and then
1: some studies were buried because they didn't find yeah. the results that they wanted Yeah, I think that was unearthed, you know, 10 years or 15 years later, and then an investigator actually was interviewed and said, well, it didn't find what we wanted, so we didn't publish it.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. No, no. That was the group with, uh, whatchamacallit in it. Can't think of that guy. What's that guy's name from the 1950s that treated the... Well, Ansel
1: Keys. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. I have to say, uh, Professor Keys is beloved at the University of Minnesota, (laughs) and probably brought a lot of money in, I'm sure. And uh, with the epidemiology sort of group, and even Ansel Keys thought cholesterol was not an issue by the end of his career. So actually, a lot of people use his early work to say when they don't follow his later work, because they're not really following Ansel Keys, they're following the idea that you shouldn't have fat. Sure. Yeah. And that you should worry about it's for them. Yeah. You know, back to your point. Yeah. There are um, a lot of behavioral things that will make a keto diet not be comfortable or, uh, you know, I work with people to make it satisfying and, but a lot of people are just overtly addicted to sugar sure. and they need to get them out of that. Uh, there are some people who really, they can't wrap their head around not exercising so much. And so what's, fascinating and it's just what i see is that occasionally someone's exercising too much so their hunger doesn't go away automatically sure so they the automatic reduction in calories and energy doesn't work um now any kind of lifestyle is associated with medical things i mean that is something you have to be um aware of you know um any sort of free living people can get heart disease right I mean, I I don't say that this is a panacea that is going to fix heart disease. We know it lowers cardiometabolic risk by lowering metabolic syndrome, um, but you know, if heart disease is from smoking and you don't quit smoking, right. you know, the diet's not going to fix that. Right. There's a, a, a initially there's a um, phenomenon where I can give someone, for example, or introduce a new diet, and they might get a, a gout flare. Uh, but the gout flare is actually a temporary thing. And the fixing of the gout is fixing the, the weight in the long run and fixing the metabolism. So there are a lot of things that you'll talk to doctors Well, that causes gout. Well, actually, after you get over that flare and people stay on it, they lose weight, then they don't get it again. Um, and then there's a, um, a need now for randomized trials to look at the, the rates of different things. You know, how common things are. And randomized trials can give you a comparison group to, to say, well, okay, you have a certain event rate in this group, but how common is it in the other group? You know, for example, um, there are some people who get kidney stones and they may have pre-existing stones and they are just passing it because of the diuretic effect of the diet, or they might be making new ones, but that happens regardless of what diet you're doing. Yeah. And the rate seems to be something like one in five hundred or something. So we don't have it as a um, uh, you know warning up front or anything. If someone has a history though, history of gout or kidney stones, I will use special uh, language to say you know you really need to drink lots of fluids like your kidney stone doctor told you. You know because a lot of people say I don't really follow those directions anymore. Um, And then you know. the in general the restrictions that were on the diet before have to be carried over onto the keto diet for example the salt restriction if you have heart failure or a salt sensitive blood pressure that's where you know if you're on if you have these medical issues you want to work with a doctor who understands how to to change these things but um, I I think it's a healthy way of eating I and um, so I'm not concern of course you know i've heard of the same concerns for 20 years now Mm -hmm. and the concerns haven't materialized so in an editorial last fall i wrote in the paper you know there's so much evidence now for it a low-carb keto diet if someone has a concern they have to show data about it being concerning because the burden of proof now is on y'all the other side bad because there's so much evidence that shows how good it is of course, Absolutely. I doubt anyone's read that editorial.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple, I think the Diabetic Association even posted on their website now that keto is a option of a diet to use. Yes. The College of Cardiologists also posted they want like the guidelines to be reworded saying like high fat with high carbs isn't a good option, but high fat in itself is fine.
1: Oh, fantastic.
2: I think that was last summer I saw that they're posting that, but.
1: Well, you know, if you wait for guidelines to change, you know, um, all time. And uh, the last one that's going to change is the U.S. Uh, you know, the group that created the food pyramid. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. So, so entrenched yes. with yes. the the um, uh, policy and and the you know congressional interests for right. agricultural <laughs>
2: basically. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, again, I wanna be respectful of your time. You've given us so much time today. This has been fantastic, but I was just gonna ask you one last thing. Do you just wanna mention sugar substitutes, whether you can use them and also you can talk about sugar alcohols?
1: Yeah, in my clinical practice, I let people use any sort of sweet thing that's not sugar. So it could be sucralose, NutraSweet, Sugar alcohols, stevia. stevia, these are all fine. And the best one I think is the one that they can tolerate the best. Because, you know, the last thing I want to do is say, here, try this. And then they come back a month later. Well, I didn't like that one. Okay. And then, well, what about this one? You know, so I, I let people choose from an array of foods. I don't take a whole lot of time telling people what to eat. I say choose what you like from this list. And then, if you want to choose from any of these other sweeteners, that's fine. Um, yeah, in the when you use when you use total carbs, not net carbs, you include sugar alcohols and some of these sweeteners in that carb calculation. So you're you're allowed fewer sugar alcohols and sweeteners than if right. you were using net carbs. And I think that's what makes us stronger. Um, the total carb method is like the prescription. Strength 20 gram prescription strength that in you know over the counter medicines work that's using net carbs, it's just they're not quite as powerful. So, I, I kind of categorize that as a, um, a higher carb or, or using net carbs is just not quite as effective. But I've had people use all those artificial sweeteners or stevia, which is not, I mean, stevia is a real, uh, not artificial food, right. but um, I you know, I don't. Give it an, uh, extra credibility because it's natural. I mean, there are natural poisons, right? <laughs> so um, um, it's more what is the metabolic effect of those things? You know, in the in the long run, you know, if someone's doing this six months or a year, and in the clinic, you know, that I'm going to bring up the idea. You know, do you really need those things? Do you really need sweet things? And for, for most people, they're sort of automatically reducing the amount of sweet things and some people just stop automatically on their own. Uh, let me put it a different way. I don't know of any long-term health benefit of having Stevia, right? Sure. It's never never been studied like a, a drug that you're gonna live longer, um, but it's useful to use these to get people off sugar at first.
0: Well, thanks again, Dr. Westman. Uh, it's Eric C. Westman uh, and his book is End Your Carb Confusion. A Simple Guide to Customize Your Carb Intake for Optimal Health. Just awesome book. Um, He's got several other books that he's co-authored. You have a website. Um, You have the, where is it? Adaptyourlifeacademy.com. Is that the main one that people can get a hold of? Yes,
1: Adaptyourlifeacademy.com is the educational uh, website where we have um, classes that you can sign up for and learn more, and then we actually help people get started in a personalized group, so that it, we can overcome oh, nice. that initial hurdle for a lot of the people. They don't want, they're not sure, and all that. We'll say, look, we'll we'll give you three weeks in a dedicated group, so that we can get you over the hump to get started. Oh,
0: that's terrific! That's yeah. that's a fantastic way to um, to approach this. So, Doctor Westman, anything else that we failed to mention, or I, I know we covered a lot of ground here. Love to have you on the show another time. You're just a fountain of
1: knowledge, so um, anything. Thank you for your interest, and it It really is so helpful for so many different people. Um, I'm so glad you're getting the word out. Thank you.